congregation that has considered together and read together what we find in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 38, question 103. What does God require in the fourth commandment? First, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained, and that I, especially on this Sabbath, that is on the day of rest, diligently frequent the church of God, to hear his word, to use the sacraments, publicly to call upon the Lord, and contribute to the relief of the poor as become a Christian. Secondly, that all the days of my life I cease from my evil works and yield myself to the Lord to work by His Holy Spirit in me and thus begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. So far. Persevering in obeying the fourth commandment. You know what the fourth commandment is, right? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So persevering in obeying the fourth commandment. With the help of the Lord, three thoughts. In the first place, the permanence of this commandment. Permanence is permanent is remaining. It doesn't disappear. It's still valid. So the permanence of the fourth commandment. Secondly, the purpose of it. Is the purpose. Why did the Lord institute that commandment to keep the Sabbath day holy? What's the reason? And in the third place, the piety of the fourth commandment. It's deep, it's tender, it's experiential. It's not only doing things or not doing things, it's also a heart thing, a thing of the soul. Persevering in obeying the fourth commandment, the permanence, children, it's all always a P, right? Perseverance in obeying, so the permanence, the purpose, and the piety. Congregation, young people, children, we find many laws in the Bible, many commandments. Often the Lord says, don't do that. And often the Lord says, yes, do that, the way I want you to do it. Many laws Many commandments, some we are familiar with, some are unknown, some sometimes we think, we think, what's the purpose of it? Farmers were not allowed in the old dispensation to sow different seeds on the field. A row with lintel and a row with barley and lintel, but they're alternating, they're forbidden. Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed. And when women were weaving a cloth, they were not supposed to use wool and linen in the same cloth together and mix it. Neither shall a garment be mingled of linen and woolen come upon thee. We find also laws regarding animals. Using different animals together to pull a, a cart, or to pull a, a plow, a donkey, and an ox next to each other was not, not allowed. It was also forbidden to harvest an entire field. You had to leave the corner stand there for the poor. It was forbidden to eat blood and to make blood sausage. 
it was forbidden to pay a hired man the next week. It had to be paid the same day. Tattoos are forbidden. Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. And the Israelites had to be kind to, ref- to refugees and immigrants. And if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, you shall not vex them. And there were also many laws regarding Israel's religion. The, the feasts and the tabernacle and the furniture of it and the religious feasts. Many, many, many laws. And some of those laws were ceremonial and some are national and some were hygiene and sometimes were, some are financial laws. All different laws in the Bible. But mainly ceremonial, national, and moral laws. The moral law is something that always abides, that is permanent. We all agree that some of those laws are just not relevant anymore. But how do we know? The question is, how do you know if a commandment is permanent? How do we know if the fourth commandment, thou shalt keep the Sabbath holy, how, how do we know that there's still something for today? Because many say that's over. That is ceremonial law. We don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore. That is something of years ago. That is absolute now. Why? And why don't we agree with that? Well, at least four things you need to think about. When the law was rooted in creation then that's an indication that it is probably a moral law. When there's the death penalty on the law, it's probably an abiding law. When someone, when you read in the Bible that a certain commandment had to be obeyed throughout the generations, Forever. That's the indication. And most importantly, if someone was, something was written in the Ten Commandments, that's a strong indication, the strongest indication that this is something abiding and not from the past. Well, thou shalt keep the Sabbath day holy. Is that not rooted in creation? The Lord had made all things in six days, and he rested the seventh day. So that that is unchangeable, because it is rooted in in creation. Something that is rooted in creation, like being created in God's image, and the capital punishment, based on that, is something that is forever. And yes... We read in Exodus 31, six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of the rest. Hold you the Lord, whosoever doeth any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Now the being be put to death is over, but the sin is still there. And regarding an explicit explanation that this is relevant for the rest of our lives. Exodus 31. Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that ye may know that I am the Lord, that I sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work thereon, 
that souls shall be cut off from among his people. As I indicated, most importantly, if something is in the Ten Commandments, right, the two laws, the two laws regarding God and the neighbor, if something is in the, four, in the Ten Commandments, it's hard to say that it's temporary. So what will, be, what will be next? If you say the fourth commandment is not valid anymore. What is the next commandment It's not valid anymore? It's hard to say. I've never heard an explanation of that. That, that some people say the Sabbath day commandment is over, but it's in the Ten Commandments. Well, some would say then we have to become Seventh-day Adventists. Then we have to keep the Sabbath day holy. But we are keeping the Sunday holy, right? That's correct. So we believe in the Christian Sabbath day. We believe that the Sabbath day is not over, but has moved to the first day of the week. Like the Lord Jesus has finished the work as well. Hebrews 4. God the Father finished creation, and then there was that Sabbath day, and so the Lord Jesus rose from the dead, he finished the work, and we celebrate the finished work of Christ on the Sunday, on the Christian Sabbath day. We see it in the Bible. I read in Acts 20, and upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow. So there was, there was preaching going on on the first day. And 1 Corinthians 16, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So collections are taken on the Sunday, on the first day of the week, because then the people came together. And we read in Revelation 1 verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, on the Kyrios day. It must mean the Lord Jesus day, the, the Christ day, the Lord Jesus day. So if you ask me, I think it's a strong indication, very strong, that the fourth commandment is still important today. You can't say that there's something of the past, that it's ceremonial. Some say the temple fell in from the top to the bottom, so the whole ceremonial law is over. That's right. But only the ceremonial law and not the Sabbath. The Sabbath does not belong to the ceremonial law. Now, there are two objections to this, you may have heard. Two texts in the Bible, and it would take too long to explain it all, but let me mention the objections and very briefly the answer to them. We read in Colossians 2, 16 and 17, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Some use that text to indicate, to, ask, to explain, to, to prove that the Sabbath day is not relevant anymore. But this is only a warning against legalism, I believe. It's legalism. Some people are very legalistic on what you, what you eat and drink and the feast days and the Sabbath days, very precise. And the apostle is saying, those laws are important, but don't, don't approach them in a legalistic way. Romans 14, one man esteemeth one day above another. Know the text? That is usually forward to them that object to keeping the Sabbath day holy. One man esteemed one day above another, another esteemed every day alike. 
let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, uh, he does not regard it. Now, apparently, Jewish Christians wanted to also keep the laws of the feast days. And Gentile Christians said that the ceremony of feasts did not have to be kept. And the apostles said, there is freedom. There's freedom to also keep those Jewish days, Sabbath or other feast days, to also keep them. So they kept, in my opinion, they kept the Sabbath day holy, but also the Sunday. The Sabbath day for traditional reasons and the Sunday for Christian reasons. Enough of this. The Sabbath day, I'm absolutely convinced, is permanent. And you cannot just scratch one of those commandments out. We have to think it through. What does it mean today to keep the Sabbath day holy? And we apparently need to think of a Christian Sabbath day. That is the Sabbath on Sunday, on the first day of the week. Let's go to the second thought. The purpose of obeying the commandment. Before I go there, short Bible story for children that fits in here. I see in the palace of King Artaxerxes in Babylon, I see the king sitting on his throne. And I see also someone holding a cup of wine and pouring wine in for the king and presenting it to him. His name is Nehemiah. Here, king, drink it. They were close. Artaxerxes, King Artaxerxes and his wife, and Nehemiah, the chamberlain, were close. And one day, Nehemiah presented the cup unto the king, and he looked kind of sad. So King Artaxerxes said to him, Why do you, are you looking so sad? You, well, what's the matter? And Nehemiah apologized, because it was dangerous to look so sad in front of the king. But he said, Dear king, how can I not be sad? I'm thinking of the people of Israel. I'm thinking of Jerusalem that is a ruin in ruins. And I think of the future of that of their people. And I'm so worried about the temple in Jerusalem. So I'm sorry I just looked sad. How can I not? And King Adesek says, responded, what do you want to do? Do you have a proposal? And Nehemiah said, let me pray about it. So he prayed about it. I see Nehemiah bowing his knees and saying, Lord, the king is asking what my proposal is regarding Jerusalem and the walls and the temple. And he, he received an answer. And he went back to the king and said, King Artaxerxes, I know it. I know what my proposal is. May I go there? May I organize the building of the temple and the building of the walls again? And Artaxerxes talked to his wife. You can find all in Nehemiah too. Talked to his wife. He said, for how long? How long does it take? Before we go back, come back. And he said, so and so long. And Artaxerxes said, that's okay. But Nehemiah said, King, then I need a letter of permission. And I also need an army to go with him to protect me. And the king Artaxerxes said, that's okay. So he wrote a letter to the people and an extra letter to the 
to the official of the, of the, of the, of the forest so he, he could also harvest trees. And he got, he got horsemen with him. And we see him tra- traveling from Babylon to Jerusalem. And when he's in Jerusalem, he knows that some are objecting to this. Sambalat and Tobias are angry with that. And they make his life difficult. But in the middle of the night, Nehemiah goes outside together with a few of his friends, inspecting the walls, inspecting Jerusalem. At this gate, at that gate, at that gate. So to assess the situation. And they yet begin building the walls of Jerusalem. And the whole book of Nehemiah is spent on that, on all the problems they are experiencing. But then eventually in Nehemiah 13, the wall has been built. And Jerusalem is kind of safe. And I see the same Nehemiah Somewhere in one of those buildings, and look outside on the Sabbath day. And he looks to the window, and he looks at the street, and it's busy. And they're selling oil and fish from Tyre, and all different things. It's, it's, it's market day. It's day to buy and sell. And he feels so upset. He said, you know, how can they do that? That's the reason, that's one of the reasons why the people of Israel were led into captivity. The Lord had punished the people of Israel because of they, they did not keep the Sabbath day holy. So he talked to the governors and to some important leaders, and they said, we cannot do that, we have to stop it. He warned them, and warned them. But they did not listen. So Nehemiah got very upset with them and warned them, if you show up next Sabbath, we will arrest you. And we don't know what your future will be because this is against the Lord's will. So they took that to heart. And after two, two Sabbath days, there's no, there's no marketplace anymore. No shopping on the day of the Lord anymore. That was wrong. Why do we, I tell this story? Well, people that don't believe in the permanence of the Sabbath day, they go, do, they do shopping on Sunday. What was wrong? But then we refer to Nehemiah 13, it says, look. And if they say, yeah, but that's the, that's the old ceremonial law, we say, no. There's not a ceremonial law. It is the fourth commandment in the moral law. See? Nehemiah wanted a reformation. And the reformation did not go easy. He struggled and he did his best. But he was adamant about it. But having said this and explained this, what was the second thought again? The purpose, right? The first one was the Permanence, not the purpose. What's the purpose of having Sunday? When you open your eyes on Sunday morning, what are your feelings? Oh, today, yes, yes, Sunday. Excellent, I'm happy all that. Why? What's the purpose of the Sabbath day? Well, in the first place, as the Bible says in Exodus 20, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all the enemies, and he rested the seventh day. So that means that the Lord wants to be glorified for the fact that he made all things out of nothing, that he is the most glorious God. Thy spirit, O Lord, makes life to abound, the earth is renewed and fruitful the ground. To God ascribe glory and wisdom and might. That's the, that's the Sunday. 
to God ascribe glory and wisdom and might that God in his creatures forever delight. Before the Lord's might, earth trembles and quakes. The mounds are rent and the smoke from them breaks. The Lord I will worship throughout all my days. Yet while I am being my God, I will praise. So you come to church on Sunday to praise God for him making things out of nothing. The universe, the stars, the, 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 the seeds germinating, the, the plants growing, the flowers budding, the trees blossoming. So we honor the Lord on the Sunday for him making all things so beautiful. That's the purpose. Now in Deuteronomy 5, we also read the law. But it also gives a different or an extra reason why we keep the Sabbath day. It's almost the same as in Exodus 20, but there's still a difference. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out of thence through a mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm, therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. So the second reason is the Lord says, on the Sabbath day, I want you to honor me for the exodus, for the fact that you were delivered out of the house of bondage, that you were delivered from the slavery of Egypt. So that's also today. Today we celebrate creation and we celebrate salvation. Salvation. The Lord has saved the people out of Egypt and still saves his people. Still saves his people from slavery. The slavery of sin. We read also in Exodus 15 that the Lord is praised for the delivery out of Egypt. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. For that reason, our fathers have looked at Hebrews 10. And let us consider one another to provoke one unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So the great final day is coming, and for that reason we need to also come together as a church. The Hypercatechism says, diligently frequent the church of God to hear his word, to use his sacraments, publicly to call upon the Lord and contribute to the relief of the poor. <clears throat> well, we have found out the last few years that you can also worship over Zoom, right? You can also worship through Skype the media. You don't have to be in church to worship, right? Let's think it through for a sec. I have children in Holland. I don't see them that often, but I am happy we have Zoom. I can see them. I can talk to them. It's so much better than the telephone, right? I love it. I love doing that. At least it's something you have. And you have kind of, you, you meet, right? It's real. You know, someone says, so you don't have to travel to Holland anymore, right, to see them. Because you see them anyway. Well, I like to see them physically. I like to really visit them, us, and we visit them, them and see them and holding the hands of my grandchildren and having them on my lap and just be close to them 
and talk to them and have something personal. So I'm happy that there is Zoom, but it's not everything. And if I would tell my children in Holland, I'd never come anymore because we have Zoom, how would they feel? And what about my children in, in, in Chilnak, which not come anymore? Although they can easily come. They say I'm not coming anymore because we have Zoom. We can just Zoom that every day or every week. But I'm not coming to the Parsons anymore. I, I, would feel, I would feel hurt because I want them to, to be the, to personally together. Got my point? In the days that were hard in the past, we had Zoom in church. We still have it. And I think it serves a purpose. We are thankful for it. But I don't like it when people use it if they don't need it. If people say, well, then I don't come to church anymore. Because I can do it at home anyway. You know, some people have, have, have gotten into the rut. Into, into the rut of being content with just having contact over Zoom. But that is not participating in the service. That, that you're an, an onlooker. You're not gathered with us. And I'm convinced that the Apostle Paul means that not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Why has the Lord instituted this commandment? That the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained. goes a little further than only coming to church. It is also the purpose that we have the schools, the theological school, that we also work on, pray for more ministers in our denomination. Because we need the, need the Sabbath, because there's, there's preaching involved. And for preaching, you need preachers. So we need preachers. It's included in this commandment. And schools as well. Schools for them that will eventually study theology, but also if they want. Because reading is important. Reading itself is such an important thing. And we live in a time that reading is undervalued and that young people read less. And I'm concerned about that. Why? Who cares if they read or not? The less you read, the less you read the Bible. I'm convinced. Because it becomes a hurdle. It becomes difficult. So that's why we are happy that in our school we encourage to read. Because that makes it easier to read the Bible. And especially on the Sabbath, that is on the day of rest, diligently frequent the church of God. Diligently. Are you doing that? Can we see you tonight as well? If you can't, you can't. That's easy. But I'd love to see you tonight here as well, if possible. To not only know that you are in that camera looking at us and, put, and, and sharing with us the, the word, but also that you're present. I think that it's part of the fourth commandment to have you personally, physically present, if possible. To diligently frequent the church of God. Why? There are four things mentioned, and I will add a fifth thing. I'm sure that Zechariah Eugenius would have agreed on adding a point. What does he mean? 
to hear the word. You can hear the word at home as well, right? But the Lord wants you to hear it personally and that you being present to hear the word of God, the warnings, the, the invitations, the word explaining salvation and how the Lord saves his people. It, it, it's important, not only information, it's also a call to repent and to believe and to lead people, to encourage people, to comfort people, to hear the word, to use the sacraments and second. So we have the sacraments in the worship service, not outside of the service. The Lord's Supper and Holy Baptism. They have a place. They must be kept publicly to call upon the Lord as prayer. So there are prayer requests and we pray for the people and it's important to pray together in corporate worship. And contribute to the relief of the poor. Contribute to the relief of the poor. So that is the collection for the relief fund. The most important collection in church is what? For what purpose? For the school or for the care home or for the church or for the pastor or for... No. The most important collection in churches for the relief. Because all, all, all the other ones are kind of making sense and this, in a way also for yourself. Then, then you, you benefit yourself from that. But to, to only for the poor, that is sacrificial giving. For others. For them that are in need. Outside of our country. Or inside the country to contribute to the relief of the poor. So don't only think of how much do they need and how much do, do, do this organization need. Also think of the needs in the, in the world. And I would like to add singing. Right? There's not mentioning it. I think worshiping in song is also important. It's also a big part of worshiping. Worship in singing. Singing what? Sing our repentance. Sing that we feel sorry for sin. Singing as a prayer. But also singing in exalting God. And sing in praising him. And sing in humility. And sing in joy. And singing because God is holy. And sing because God is forgiving. And he is faithful. And he continues. At home, on Zoom, you may listen along and sing along and pray along. It's not the same. So this fourth commandment is talking about physical presence as members of one body and also in corporate worship services, praising and exalting the Almighty God as becomes a Christian. Congregation is the fourth commandment only about what you're supposed to do on Sunday. So as long as you come to church faithfully and sing along and listen and put something in the bags, and you're fine. It's the fourth commandment, keeping the Sabbath day holy. Is that it? That's dangerous. The Sabbath day is more than that. And Zechariah understood that, the author of the Heidelbergism. And therefore we see at the last few lines, secondly, that all the days of my life, 
all the days of my life. I cease from evil works. That's the real Sabbath. Then the Lord gives a heart to seek and serve him and quickens from the dead. And then people begin to seek the Lord with their whole heart during the whole week, not only on the Sabbath. And they begin to fight against sin and they don't want to sin anymore. And their life changes. Because of the Sabbath, their whole life is a Sabbath. Their whole life is a dedication to the Lord. It's supposed to be. We have been made for that reason. We've been made for the reason to not only seek and serve the Lord on the Sabbath day, but our entire life. So we may feel smug about keeping the Sabbath day holy. What about the Saturday? What about Friday evening? What about the Thursday and Monday morning and the whole week? The Lord has a right to have you serve him your life with body and soul 24-7. All the days of my life, I cease from my evil work. That's a war, right? Have you heard about the army in Ukraine? They are fighting. They are motivated. It's just unreal how hard they fight unto blood. They, they have nothing to lose, right? And they just do their utmost. Well, they're fighters. And the Russian army has a hard time with occupying the, the land. So all Christians are in warfare. And they need to fight against sin in a holy war, in the good fight, fighting the good fight and fighting unto blood. So that is our purpose in life. We need to be fighters and seize sin and fight sin every day, not in a legalistic way, not, not, not to merit some points and to merit salvation, but in, in order to honor God. He is so worthy of it. The Ten Commandments are not only to convince people of their sins, also to guide people in how to express thankfulness to God, especially to his people. To cease from my evil works and yield myself to the Lord. Yield myself to the Lord. I was looking at that and thought, what does that mean? Well, yielding to the Lord is to surrender at them. To surrender. The Sundays and every day of the week is a day of yielding myself to the Lord, to work by His Holy Spirit in me. To not keep the door closed. The door is calling every day. It's calling every day. I am at the door. Open the door and I knock. Every day the Lord is warning us and calling us, inviting us. We call it the outer call, right? Reverend Christian called it the outer call. The inner call is the Holy Spirit. But the outer call, is yield yourself unto the Lord. It's in the Bible. 2 Chronicles 30, verse 8. Now be ye not stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord, and enter into his sanctuary which he has sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. So yield yourself unto the Lord. All the days of your life. That's the preaching this morning. 
Yield yourself to the Lord. And that does not mean that you, that you can merit anything. Not at all. But God the Father, and actually the triune God, has finished the work of creation on the sixth day. And the Lord said it was very good. And the Lord Jesus on the cross said it's finished. So there was a Sabbath day for him. So the Sabbath day reminds us of the finished work of Christ. Reminds us of the fact that nothing can be added. Reminds us of the fact that salvation is free. You don't have to work for it. It is available without working. It's free. The Bible speaks about that. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's eternal life. And that begins with regeneration. Therefore, let us fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it. Hebrews 4. That's also quite a chapter, isn't it? Hebrews 4. Let us therefore fear, be concerned, lest any, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest and he should seem to come short of it, not enter into the rest. The piety of the fourth commandment is to cease from evil works, to yield myself to the Lord, to let the Holy Spirit work, and to begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. To begin it here. Not on a Sunday, but our whole life, somewhere it begins. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word of God preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. So we need that true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he paid the price. He gave his blood. He rose from the dead. And that is the most important thing. Through him, through his sacrifice on the cross, he brings rest. He brings an eternal Sabbath to his people. In this life, begins the eternal Sabbath. And sometimes God's children experience that rest. They have sometimes Sabbath in their heart. Piety. Sabbath in their heart. Such a rest. Such a calm. Such relying on the finished work of Jesus that they have a special time on Sunday in God's house and also during the week at home. Time and again. By the work of the Holy Spirit. For we which have believed do enter into the rest, as he said. He, had, he has sworn it. He has made an oath. If they shall enter into my rest, they will enter into my rest. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day. Seventh day? On this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Therefore, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter in, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief, again he limited a certain day in David today. After so long a time. As it is said today, 
if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. See that is in the context of the seventh day. Harden not your heart. We can. We do. We do by nature. That's our default, to harden our heart. And the calling that comes to us on the Sabbath day is yield yourself to the Lord, to let the Spirit work in you, and thus to begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Again, he limited a certain day. Again, that is the so many times. We have heard it so often and again. Harden not your heart. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day? So the Lord Jesus has given that rest. Therefore remain therefore a rest to the people of God. The Sabbath, an eternal Sabbath, beginning in this life. For he that is entered into his rest. Lord Jesus has Sabbath in heaven. He's entered to his rest. For he that is entered to his rest, he also has ceased from his own work. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into the rest. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Do you know why the Lord has given us a Sabbath day? Let us not talk about what you're not supposed to do. Let's talk about the purpose of it and the piety of it and our responsibilities on it. So fill that Sunday as much as you can in a positive way with laboring to enter into the rest to cease from evil works, to come faithfully together, to storm the throne of grace, to read that Bible, to read the Bible to the children maybe in the afternoon, just keep that Sabbath day holy and give it some content, make it important, make it attractive to your children. They will love it if you on Sunday afternoon would sit on the couch with them, those little ones, and read the Bible story. Maybe, maybe you don't, don't have much time to do that during the week. Fathers, Sunday afternoon, excellent time to talk and to teach and to sing. And if you like to also sleep a little bit, there's not, nothing wrong with that. It's the day of rest also for the body. But let us not all waste it, but use it well. Because the Lord wants to be glorified. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Our fathers put this in the context of thankfulness. May you know something of that new work, of that yielding of the Holy Spirit, of that eternal Sabbath rest in your heart, looking upon the finished work of the Lord Jesus. Then use that day of the Lord also to give thanks. He's worth it. And giving thanks is a real joyful thing if it is from the heart. Seek the Lord and live. Amen.